When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with Nick. I think that is a very generous way of putting it. We are barely conscious this morning. (laughs) Yes, I lost track of time last night. Tomorrow is Jameson's Halloween party, and she really likes her Halloween party. We decided this year it should be hosted at Dabble. So for those of you who don't know, Jamie and I have bought a old bank here in Durand, and we're going to put in a learning center. So we have a half-constructed bank that is apparently going to host a party this weekend. Indeed it is. I really wanted to go, but I've got a wedding in Gladwin, so I'm not sure if I'm be able to make it. That's why if this video ever makes it out, the beard that I'm growing, which I usually don't have a full beard, is part of the costume that I have. So the party is tomorrow. The beard probably leaves before the 25th. Did you get the costume that you were looking for? Oh, yes, I am absolutely. Okay, so it's great to find a costume that fits your body type. You know, a lot of times you pick one that you it's just hard to believe. And I decided that since a lot of us were going as pro wrestlers, that I could be easily be Mick Foley. <laughs> or Cactus Jack, to be more specific. So... Or Mankind, or Dude Love, whatever you want to do. <laughs> so... I had to have a beard. I didn't want to buy a beard. I can grow a beard. You bought it. Did you get the wig? I did get the wig. But Uh, we keep that stuff. We keep it so that next time we never have to. Jameson sent me a Snapchat of your Amazon cart the other day. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, so she, we were sitting there, and she sent me a message with your brother's Amazon cart, and it was your whole costume. I laughed for a solid 10 minutes. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was awesome. So if anybody ever sees this video, they'll, they'll understand why I've got that lumberjack look right now, and uh, I'm not clean shaven. But uh, yeah, you're not. But you always have a goatee of some sort. Yeah, I do. But I'll tell you, you know, I'm sitting here itching constantly. I'm not used to having a beard. It drives me bonkers i very well as it grows longer it's easier but i do look forward to shaving it off i i understand i i actually hate shaving but i i hate scratching my face too so i understand it's just a battle i understand so my point of what i was saying was is that we you were saying we're barely here because we're tired i lost track of time last night working on the building uh cleaning and kilting walls we've ripped out carpet and all these things and you knowing that you and I were going to record early in the morning, I looked at my phone and it was already midnight. So by the time I cleaned up and get everything put away, it was quite late before I made it to bed. So at least you have a good reason. I got I got home at like eleven, heated up a late dinner, and I was watching a show I like. I watched The Flash, and I'm watching it. I look at my phone and go, I gotta be on the computer at seven. It's one. I can do another one. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I'll be up. I won't be conscious, but I'll be up. As, as we get older, it's harder to do that. 
It's harder to do it consecutively. Now, you ever heard that Toby Keith song, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was? Mm-hmm. I can still do it. Like, if I if I get, like, a whole week's worth of sleep, and then I got to go, you know, go to bed at, like, 3 in the morning and pop up at 7, I do it, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm ready to go, and I'm great. But when you hit two or three days in quick succession, by day three, I'm a miserable bear. I'm like, I, sit there and <laughs> I just groan in front of the coffee maker, like urging it, willing it to brew. Yes, and you're out of coffee, which is, I, I don't understand how that can happen two days in a row. It happens consecutively when you don't buy it the first day you're out. Yeah, I, again, I keep about a two-pound bag of beans as my backup. When that one gets opened, you have to rush out. So what ended up happening was I'm a member of this uh, Coffee of the Month thing my wife signed me up for, and it's awesome. They send me a different bag of beans from a, a different country every month, and they give a little like little postcard in there as to like, how they're brewed, what the spe- specific nodes of flavors are, and it's really awesome. My children started drinking coffee, so now we go through that bag of beans in like a day. Mm. Like it's... It's ridiculous. It's a one pound or a two pound bag. And I usually get quite a few because I, I brew it by the cup. I don't do a pot of it because you don't get the same flavor. So I grind it and I brew it. And I'll come home and like half the bag is in the grinder. And then the next day that's all gone. I'm like, where did it go? I do have some espresso beans and stuff out in the in the storage trailer, but I uh, it's too cold. I'm not going out there. I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll wake up. It is not that cold yet. Uh, Yeah, it is. Not for Michigan. It can get much, much colder. At no point did I imply that it was at its maximum level of coldness. <laughs> I said it's too cold for me to go out there right now. Are you drawing? I am always drawing, Michael. It's how I organize my thoughts. If I don't, Show. you'll see me stutter and make a lot of mistakes. Show me. I want to see the picture. It's just a little face. <laughs> So this week, the show that we have scheduled is Green Roofs and Walls. Okay. First things first, a green roof is just a layer of vegetation on the top of a building or a structure where when you talk about green walls, I like to call them a a living wall. It is where you have plants growing up either a lattice or a hydroponic ladder where that... it blocks a whole area because it's just foliage. Not necessarily a green wall when you let the vines grow into your house. Well, I like that the green actually means green in a literal sense with this stuff instead of calling it like a green wall, but then just meaning that it was all reused materials. This is cool. Nope, it's a, it is a living wall. That's why I like to use that term because it's l- quite literally what it is. In some areas, that's a year-round thing. Here in Michigan, obviously, it's seasonal. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, because there's cold. And as you so, so delicately pointed out three and a half minutes ago, it's going to get colder. It is. It's going to get much, much colder. And the amount of rain that we had is pretty much pointing to a tremendous amount of snow. Is that is that how that works? I really am pretty ignorant to the weather. So someone else had told me that they were going to have a really harsh winter. Yeah, it tends to cycle. And if you can actually, you know, who was good at predicting that was those farmers almanacs. Yeah. Depending on how your summer and how your falls are, you can usually predict your winter. We will probably have a fairly cold but high snow winter this year. Okay. Which means that there's probably going to be a lot of bad accidents and hopefully a lot of days off of work. Well, also for me means not only do I have to shovel my driveway, but now I have to go up to a commercial building and shovel that. You know, ironically. Listen, you know a guy that plows. I'm just saying. Right. 
But he'd have to have multiple jobs. He's not driving out here for one. Eh, he's going to be pretty bored this season. I think he might. <laughs> so, quick uh, story. We have a another business coming to Duran. And all of a sudden, by the way, almost every building is full here. Almost everything is sold. Suddenly, we're getting a, a large influx of business. And one of the businesses is taking over kind of a brownfield. So, an old factory uh, facility that one of the buildings has collapsed. That's how how well that's been taken care of. And they're go, you know, they're we got grants to remove that part of the building, and they're going to rehab the rest of the property. It's going to be kind of a donation. We give them the property, they they fix it up and put a business in there. That's awesome. But during their PowerPoint to everybody, and during their discussion with the city to convince them to please give us this building for a dollar, and we will pour all our money into it. I had to do an update on edible landscape beforehand. And that is when the city adopted it as a permanent part of the city. That program is now permanent. And I think to Gardner a little extra favor, they asked if we would stay after and because they wanted to talk about building live walls. Mm -hmm. Because that kind of industry, it's a diesel parts and repair and refurbishment. It can cause some noise in the area. And Mm -hmm. usually when you have an industrial kind of project like that it never looks as good as you want it to in the city so they talked about requesting some assistance and discussing building green walls that is you know basically using those plants as a buffer between what they're doing and everybody else and i'll tell you it worked it got me nodding and smiling at what they're going to do depending on how they build that building but if they are going to do things like that we want that in the city well absolutely i mean i've as a person, as a member of a community, even I've always been pretty uh, firm and critical on, you know, industrial type businesses or construction companies or gravel pits in city limits. I think they're an eyesore. I think they're ugly. And on top of the, you know, the odors and the amount of noise they create, I just think that it's not something appealing for a downtown atmosphere. You don't want to walk down next to that. You want something beautiful, beautiful and vibrant and fun. And those are just. I mean, they're an unnecessary part of life. You know, those those are generally the types of companies that employ hundreds of people or, you know, have a large cash influx into the community. But I just always thought they're better suited on the outskirts or or like, you know, when a lot of communities will have like industrial drives where they, they build a specific part of the town out of the general public. So it keeps it away from people. Right. Well. Hopefully everything goes well, and maybe they will do green walls, and it will give Grand yet another sustainability iconic landmark that goes along with what we already have started. Hopefully. That'd be wonderful. I learned a few things about green roofs, because I'll tell you, I know about them. I didn't know it deeply. I, I didn't have an intimate knowledge of green roofs, because I know of some examples, even in Michigan, but... I didn't know that there was multiple kinds. There's two kinds of green roofs. There's extensive and intensive. I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, and if I'm completely wrong and I'm just pulling something out of thin air, you're welcome. I assume one of them is more for looks. One of them is more like, like because you see it in like big cities, they'll have these skyscrapers where they put a garden on the roof and they plant trees and they have like this... This would like this kind of garden you'd have in the middle of a town, but they have it up on the roof of a building. And I mean, that's awesome. It's different, but it's it's awesome. And then I assume the other one is going to be for more practical reasons. 
Um, I assume that when there's when you have you know plant life on top of your building, you don't have to worry so much about uh, the way it's sealed for um, like your roof and, and, and rain. I'm sure that everything plays a factor in it. Well, there's the two different styles, and I and I really didn't know that. There's let's go through the two real quick, and the pros and cons will kind of answer that for you. Okay. The extensive green roof is only about six inches deep of soil. So you have a small layer of soil on the top of a building. Mm-hmm. That is, and it's really, there's no irrigation system hooked up. It's just a real thin layer of soil. And it leaves very few different species of vegetation that can grow up there. Grasses, natural grasses, Obviously, some weeds, things that are more durable that don't need quite as much water. They're drought resistant. You end up with kind of a hodgepodge of growth up there. You're mm-hmm. not going to find trees. You're not going to find vegetables or real large because with six inches, the root structure just isn't there. Mm-hmm. Think of it more like ground cover, like a clover or something like that because the roof is still set up on a slant. Uh, almost all of them will either be a flat roof, but can be done on up to a 30 degree angle. And there's very low maintenance. This kind of green roof just gets left to its own devices. Okay. So that's one of the good things about it is that once it's built, it just does its own thing, but it does have a much lower biodiversity. It doesn't create as much wildlife use. It is just a thin layer that covers the top of the building. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Now, the other one is the extensive. We're talking much, you know, much deeper soil. You're talking irrigation systems, making sure water gets through all of it. It is a high density. This is where you can see bushes, things that need a deeper root structure mm-hmm. on the building. Because one of the, the problems I've always had is, how do you get something with roots to grow on top of a building without destroying the building? Because over time, roots can do a lot of damage. And if it's all above you, that means water at some point is going to come down. Because I tell people all the time, if you've got flooding in your yard, plant something with a deep root structure. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to work its way through the clays and all that stuff and let water back down. It just follows the roots. And you put that on top of the house or on top of a building, <laughs> the same thing applies. If the roots get in, the water gets in. So the... When you see, when you Google it and see these beautiful parks, those are mm-hmm. almost always, those are extensive green roofs. Well, yeah, if they're going to put bushes and small trees and that kind of stuff up there, they're going to need that they're that depth of soil for the root. Even if they're just small, um, what I would call ornamental trees, the, the really pretty ones for gardens that don't necessarily get very large, they still have, you know, a heck of a root structure. Trees are still, I think, dry land's best comparison to an iceberg. You know, like you see the tree, you're like, oh, this is beautiful. But wait, do you see what's under the ground? Right. <laughs> well, and so the, I'll call it the little brother version, the extensive green roof, or let's just say green roof, because I'm not, they should have green roof and intensive. Like it should just be here is one and here is a more elaborate one, not two well, names. But I like green roof and mega green roof, but that's just me- <laughs> So the reg, we'll just say regular green roof or the extensive is usually very lightweight in comparison. Of course, it makes sense. That, it has no maintenance. It runs its own biodiversity up there, 
and it is it just has that natural look so it kind of can look like weeds at times it looks like tall dead grass or whatever ends up growing up there or blowing up there is what takes over so there is some negatives to that you know especially if you're here in in michigan where as i was saying is going to get cold it tends to kind of kill off everything or put make it go dormant you end up with what looks to be like straw hanging from the top of a building gives it a hair look you know (laughs) because it's dying but so that's one complaint that people have about those is that it it can look bad in the winter time or off season time. Okay. That's fair. The, your choice of plants are very limited. You have to go to very, very thin root structures, the clovers. If you want to get some kind of color, some ground covers are okay, but you tend to want to stay away from anything evasive because you don't want to tear up your building, but you do want to make sure that it is going to cover the whole area. The intensive ones will give you a higher biodiversity. Mm -hmm. It actually has a lot of insulating properties because you're talking much thicker layers. Oh, of course. Yeah. But it is exceptionally heavy. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I I don't think you have to tell people that it's heavy when if if the what the which one which one is that called? The intensive. So the extensive has six inches of soil and the intensive has more. Well, more dirt means more weight. Um, obviously, if you're going to put things on there that have a big, heavy root structure, they're going to weigh more, too. The upside to it is that with the irrigation and water and stuff, it, it's actually less maintenance. It's more it's more, you know, like infrastructure in terms of maintenance of what it is, actual maintenance versus the other one that if you did want to plant flowers and do nice little paths up there through it and have a really pretty little garden to, or thing to show off to your clients or whoever's using the building, it's going to take a lot of maintenance. You're going to have to have some kind of water source up there to spray them down or you're going to have to bring water up there because it's not, you know, it's not going to rain all the time. And for six inches of soil, it's not going to hold much moisture. Right. Well, in most of the more basic green roofs there's no access it's the intensive green roofs that they use as kind of a park where people can sit and enjoy it the other one is really used for an attempt to help bees to actually reduce their cost to the building overall for energy okay and so when you think about the intensive ones that's where you have tables and chairs where employees go up and can sit there in a park on the top of a building where you do see small trees and you get the birds and you get other wildlife up there. So, yeah, you you have to think of the extensive one is like a park, like what you were talking about on top of the building. The other one is just a covering. Okay. The issues with intensive are pretty obvious. It's high cost, high maintenance. You know, you're putting a park on the top of a house or building. It's going to be challenging because one of the things to talk about is the amount of layers that you have to have on a green roof to protect the building. Yeah. Like, yeah, I assume that there's, there's two or three different layers of protection to, to separate the soil from the actual material of the, the, the building and the roof. And I'm sure that actually also has to be a special kind of roof. You know, you're not just going to stick that up there with a normal roof. It, it, it would just destroy it. Yeah. I mean, so I wrote down the layers cause I didn't know them for me. I just assumed it was a few. It is more than a few. It is the structure of of the of the building, of course. First, okay. Then you have a a vapor control layer, which is like a bladder that goes across it to help keep moisture from getting down to 
So a garbage bag. Gotcha. A garbage bag. Well, I think it's kind of a little different, but... Pond liner. Big, thick plastic. Big, thick plastic. Then you have your insulation, a thermal barrier. Okay. Then you have your actual roofing membrane, which if you've if you've gone to my balcony, that's what that is. That rubber proof or that waterproof mm-hmm. rubbering waterproof barrier. Then it actually has, it says roofing membrane and then waterproof membrane. So I don't know necessarily what the difference is. Maybe the, the roofing membrane is like tar paper and like, then the waterproof one is like mine. Possibly. But we're not even close yet. So the next one is the drainage. Mm-hmm. So then you got to put in all the piping for the drainage. Um, then there is a membrane for filtering. So that'd be like peat rock? Yep. And then soil and then vegetation. Okay. So all of that goes on top of your structure. You know, on top of the fact that you're going to have a large amount of soil for those bigger ones. And then the vegetation. If you if you can hold bigger plants, you're going to grow bigger plants. It is those deeper, deeper ones is where you see gardens, you know, vegetable gardens put on the roof or even small trees or dwarf trees, which is, again, a ton of weight. It really is. I realized there was going to be a layer of stone. Yeah, but and then you have the fact that if you can get that kind of canopy up there, it does dramatically help with especially air conditioning cost. Because you're putting shade above your building, which is one of the greatest ways to save on air conditioning. Well, it is, but but also, I don't know about cost. This is nothing to do with cost. I'm just looking at it from a, like, if you do that on a, a skyscraper in a big city, that also provides a home for, like, birds and stuff like that where there normally isn't one. So I think that that's actually a really cool thing. The downside to it is that, like, whatever you plan, I assume, and I could be wrong, but whatever you plan up there, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's got to be a way you protect, like, if you're going to plant small trees, it's got to be windy up there. Mm-hmm. I mean... Unless they're tall enough where it's above most of the wind, it's got to be really strong up there. Yeah, and and it has to have a strong enough root structure to maintain that. So, mm-hmm. and I, I agree with what you're saying there because you're talking about this island of refuge for wildlife. Yeah. It's like an uh, oasis. Yeah, it's kind of like how there's been a small movement trying to get farmers to put in strips of wildflowers. Yeah. So when you have a hundred acres of corn and nothing for bees to eat. You put in every two or three acres, the strip, this four foot strip that goes, you know, eight acres deep of just wildflowers so that it gives that refuge in a food desert. Because to a bee, that's a food desert. And in our cities, that's a food desert. And it, and it usually elevates what, what people would call a pest. Little do they know it keeps them alive. People would call a pest up above where everybody's kind of walking around. That's what that's one of the good things to even the more basic green roofs. No, I agree with that. I think that's a really good way to look at it too. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't find insects, most insects, or or like birds and stuff to be pests. But I understand a lot of people. I'm constantly telling people not to kill bees, not to you know to calm down when they're around. Just because you're allergic doesn't mean you're gonna get stung. Because it it's they're part of nature and, and well, don't get me wrong I know I sound like a hypocrite there are some bugs I just can't stand I hate houseflies but it ultimately it is what it is and if you can provide a place for bees to go and you know pollinate and create a sanctuary for them why not well that, it makes me want to look into doing a green roof at our building having a new roof put in doing some kind of even if it's just building planters around the more stable edges and building vegetable gardens up there or something 
it makes me want to do it because it's unique. They have those benefits to bees and other species of pollinators. But it's also, if you do the whole roof, you get this benefit of energy savings. You get this benefit of being unique, you know. So it does make me want to look into it because I think everybody knows me well enough now with after edible landscaping, I love this change. And instead of just saying, oh, I love that. Oh, that's cool. We don't do that around here. We just do it. Yeah. I mean, you just do it and everyone else is starting to see that. and They're starting to kind of get the hint. <laughs> well, no, there's there is a, a tremendous amount of doers in this town. And maybe it just took a, a, a tiny prod to get it moving, but it's moving. And Good. there is there is no question about it. Pa- little pantries are popping up. People are out fixing up their buildings, painting things like the world is watching the town. So now the town is trying to clean up and really put a lot of effort into it. So it's not it's never just me. I just come up with the sustainability ideas and people run with it. So there are examples of green roofs. I think you were talking about the garden styles and the large skyscrapers in Chicago. They have quite a few of them. Well those and the lots of lots of those big cities have got restaurants in the top floor where you can go eat and sit out there in those gardens and it's just it sticks out in my mind because it's something that you don't really expect to see and then there it is. Well, in Chicago, the city hall actually has a green roof. There you um, go. A park style green roof where the employees can go and break and take their lunch and go sit out in nature without leaving the building. It's safer than being down in the city. The one I knew, the one I think of every single time is the Ford plant, the River Rouge Ford plant in Michigan. Okay. That large plant has a basic green roof and it has. It was one of those things they did and and everybody just went, okay, they wanted the attention. But what they found out was, is they're saving over a million dollars in energy costs by having that green roof, by having this place for bees. Cause they don't, I don't think they use it as a park per se, but mm-hmm. for, for water and energy, it has saved them a tremendous amount of money per year. Wow. That's good. It's really good. And it's examples like that, that will help other people make that decision because people like me want a green roof because I want a green roof. You know, I want that uniqueness. I want to be the first in in town to do it. But when Ford does it and it saves them a million dollars, it makes everybody else say, hmm, like General Motors putting all the solar panels everywhere. You know, we're around Flint a lot and they have solar panels and half their wasted space of parking lots. That's good. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yep. Because it didn't take long before they realized, oh, wait, we can offset our production cost and energy with and solar huge, panels. With a huge amount. Yeah. They have a massive footprint. You know, so they basically have started taking corners of their parking lots that are almost a half mile from their plant. No one's parking there unless they're forced to. And they're turning those into solar panels. Yeah, it is excessive. Like, don't get me wrong. I understand that they have a tremendous workforce, but the parking lots around these plants are are immense. And even when they have a full shift, they don't need. I mean, like, look at truck and bus. Truck and bus on Bristol Road has enough parking where they could probably fill their plant three times over. Yeah, and so hopefully, as we see these companies making these little changes, the little bit, little bit, big bit, that we'll see them combining them i'd like to see a company like general motors who already has solar panels going up you know year after year in the parking lot create a green roof 
and find that drops their cost even more. And then on the sides where public where can see these big, huge monstrosity of buildings, mm-hmm. start putting living walls there. Because living walls not only look good, they are fantastic sound detoners, and they absorb CO2 from the place that is actually going to emit the CO2. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So does, does it help with the sound then? Yes, very much so. That's, that's good. Uh, we were just talking about the industrial thing. I think that's fantastic. But part of the, the reason I don't like those places are noise pollution. So that's awesome. Well, like down on the way down south one year, I noticed that I couldn't tell if it is done on purpose or because the plant is invasive. But as you go down towards Florida and you start getting into the Alabamas of the world, you see where Kutzu is that invasive vining plant. It's probably it what is, I have in my house is completely covering the expressway walls in some areas. And it looks really nice. Now, if it's kutsu, then I know it's an invasive species that we brought to the United States to help hold soil in place without understanding that it would take over the whole South. And so, at some point, anywhere that climate will allow it, because it is a, it, you can burn fields of it, it's back next year. Yeah, so the, the we have a vine that grows up our house, and I tear it down every year. About in the fall, when it starts to die, I just rip it all out. And it's it's beautiful in the spring and summer. It is a very, it, it looks really nice. I like it. Heather hates it. But the problem I have with it is that the way it grips to the wall is it the plant itself is, you know, nice, but it has these, these little corkscrew um, parts of the plant that burrow into the, 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 ga- the grout on your, I have a brick home. It burrows mm-hmm. in. So when you a go to remove it, it's very hard to tear off your home. Ever and those little those little hook things are probably every couple inches. And so it's not like you're gonna grab a piece of it and tear a big old chunk of it off. It grips right to your house. And in some aspects, it's eating the grout from between some of the bricks, especially on my windowsills. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand the problem with it. The other part of it is that it has a very long, strong, deep root system. So you almost have to dig it out. There's no, if you, if you rip it out and you leave any part of that root, it will grow back guaranteed. Yeah. If you leave a quarter of an inch of root in the ground, you'll see it within two years. Guaranteed. You know, so those invasive species of vines are not what you want to use for a living wall. So I don't know if down South it was on purpose or it just won. <laughs> so this cuts is everywhere. It climbs in the trees. It's, it's, it's chokes out just about everything. But here. When you look at living walls, you want to do something that does come back every year on its own, but doesn't have that grab effect. Jamie's looking at certain flowers because we're going to put, you know, that the staircase that goes to the upstairs on the outside of the building from the deck. Mm-hmm. She wants to decorate that. She wants that to be a, in a sense, living wall where these plants can grow up it, but they have to be able to wind around and not grab. There's so you're very, looking for you're looking for grapes. Possibly, it, it could it could be grapes, but grapes take a long time to develop. She's uh she likes it now. She wants to make hide those big pillars that we oh, put in. Well, then Joanne Fabrics and Michael sell beautiful plastic ones. No, not happening. Uh, listen, you said now. <laughs> but she'll she'll come up with a a species that will grow at a reasonable rate, look good, and not damage the house and or the new staircase. I think they're called trumpet vines. I could be wrong. My mother has something like that that grows on her fence. And when it's in bloom, it's all these 
beautiful, gorgeous flowers and all different colors. And it, I think it grows back every year. I don't think it survives the winter, but it grows, it grows quick. Mm-hmm. So we'll have something like that. I'm sure. I'm sure because they're nice looking. They look better than just the wood from our, our deck stairs and all that stuff. So same thing for us. We kind of want to build that living wall and you can do the same thing. And we've talked about this with edible landscape, the grapes, different, different vining plants. So when you go to the baseball field, it's just a chain link fence. I would like to see that in foliage. Yes, it, it kind of gives you that Kaminsky Park. You know, it gives you that. Mm-hmm. Some of those baseball fields have living walls out there at home run areas, but I want to see that in more places because I don't think looking at chain link fence is all that appealing. I like the foliage. And the more foliage we have, the more CO2 we're absorbing, and really the, the more comfortable the city is. When you have plants in your city and you have trees in your city, you have a cool relaxing city absolutely plus it is i like how you say relaxing because it does it makes you feel better makes you feel closer to nature yeah it would be kind of neat to do that in our alley we we took that the old building that had burned down we took it down leaves a gap in the city we so we put in a, a beautiful memorial park and it's a wonderful place to sit i think that was also another place where we could set up something so that we could get vining plants to move up without damaging the buildings. Absolutely. It's a wonderful idea. So you can actually do the same thing indoors because, okay, so a green wall is either a base of dirt with a non-invasive vining plant that grows up a lattice. Okay. Or it's a hydroponic style setup where you have the tubes, dirt, and water all in one. Mm-hmm. But you you set it up like a ladder, so whatever foliage blooms from it kind of hides the structure, and it becomes this big green wall. So you can kind of water the top, and it works its way down. You have multiple watering points, or like I said, just the base is where it all grows from. The advantage is when you have that hydroponic setup, you can go as high as you want. Where and if that- you have the base part those vines will only grow so tall. Well, that, and if you have hydroponics and you actually have dirt and stuff that's elevated off the ground, it allows you to a little more flexibility in what you want to plant versus something that depends on climbing straight up. Right. And again, very big cost difference, a a lot more maintenance. So you have to keep that in mind. A lot of times I've always done the dirt at the bottom and a lattice when I want to, when I want to cover something, but that seems like that would be the cheapest way. It is, and I I would like to try to build one of the other ones just because I'm me and I think it'd be fun. Sweet. But these are things that we can put into areas that if it's all concrete in a spot, let's say it's your, your outside break room for a business, you, you know, they always just take a couple of picnic tables, throw them in a useless space and say, there's where you can have your lunch outside. You can do a lot of things to make it more comfortable. Just one live wall. Mm-hmm. which would change it completely. So, and, you, and if you placed it just right, you would feel like you're separate from everything else. You can actually block off things. If you're at home and you don't, you know, you don't want to sit there and stare at the neighbor's house, build a live wall. It's a much more relaxing thing to have around you. Well, plants, I'm not, I don't have a green thumb, but plants in general, like nature relaxes me just by being out in, you know, in it. So I can see the benefits of that completely. And there's something about an entire unique life force that you're not used to really dealing with. And I say that because like, so everyone has things in nature they like, and a lot of people have plants, but like when you really just like sit there and just, just sit 
in the middle of a yard or a field and look around you and realize that you know almost nothing about where you're at. Some people do, and you do. You would know more than I would. But when I sit like under the trees, I know it's a tree. I can tell you it's an oak tree, and I can tell you that you know they their their leaf cycle is different than a maple, and that they they get their leaves a little later and they they keep them a little longer because they get them later. But I couldn't tell you anything really about it. But it just makes me feel good to be near it. I love having them. I love the giant trees in my yard. Yeah, I do have a different appreciation because I I start immediately processing what this tree does for me. (laughs) I start to look at the city and I start to say, oh, the canopy, you know, that cooling effect, the tunneling of the air and all these other things other than its normal jobs and its structures. But people don't even know why it's comfortable. I told you before, making people on a walk downtown stop in the sun to talk for a minute and watch them sweat and then walk a little further and get in the shade and watch how much they want to stay in that spot and not go back to the other. A lot of times people don't even understand when they say, oh, this town is cozy. It was the Mm -hmm. foliage. It's that foliage. It's the maintenance, obviously, still also. But it's that cooling effect. You have live walls. You have trees. You have green roofs will be another one at some point. Once you start having these things, it is just naturally comfortable for a person to be in. It is driven into us, our ancestors, to enjoy nature. (laughs) When we integrate nature into our living space, we feel better. I don't doubt that. I mean, really, we're talking, depending on how far you go back, when you say ancestors, humans were a hunter-gatherer species. I mean, we, we lived and died by nature. It was like most creatures on this planet before we, you know, decided to use our brains, nature was an intricate part of our existence. So unfortunately we've come a long way from that. So I think these, these little, these little things, these little ways to incorporate it back into our daily life are, are really going to be beneficial in the long run. So not only does it make us feel better, mm-hmm. but the more, the more plants that you have rooftop green, you know, the green roofs on the rooftop, the live walls, they also need water. They absorb more water. So when that water hits the roof, much less of it funnels off the roof, goes down the you know the gutter system into the downspout and shoved out into the city water uh, drainage. Uh, mm-hmm. It helps take the burden off of all these drainage systems that we've had to design to shove that water away from us. These plants absorb it. We hold it in that soil. It stays on that site. Very little leaves unless it's in overabundance. So overall, if all these buildings did more of this, you would even get less stormwater, less burden to those systems because you're holding water on site. I think that is a wonderful way to look at it. My only concern was how much added weight would it put on the building? And then when they engineer those gardens, can they can they calculate that? Can they like speculate or kind of project the amount of added weight the water is going to give? Yeah, I think when you build something like a structure that needs to hold that, you have you have to account for absorption. It's a rooftop. So you would take the heaviest you know, one foot section, get it get get a, a weight for that mass if it was saturated, and then mm-hmm. you would calculate that over the distance and add in a you know a certain safety factor. I'm I tend to do a 20% safety factor. Each engineer does it slightly different, and that's how you create that structure. If you will calculate, is this something people will walk on? How many people will walk on it? And you will double it. 
lot of times, like an engineer, we do twice life testing. Makes it real okay. easy to get to life, you know. So same thing applies to structures and weights and all those things. Doubling it is not uncommon. Okay. Well, good. But it will. So again, it, it, those kinds of things, if you build a live wall in the right place, it gives shade to your building. So if you had a green wall and a live wall, it greatly reduces air conditioning cost and use because you're creating this shade and insulation mm -hmm. that helps your building. So that is a lot of the things we were talking about. I know that I told you, you know, Ford River Rouge plant, City Hall in Chicago are great places to see green roof. Well, mm -hmm. uh, Worth Avonport in uh, Palm Beach, Florida has a massive green wall with multiple flowers uh, colors so that it creates a pattern every year. Really? That's pretty. Yep. There's uh, whole buildings in L.A., the garden house in L.A., California. The whole building has become a, a green wall. That's awesome. So it you're starting to see more and more of them. I personally think that in order for our green arrangements to kind of fit in nature, that biomimicry feeling that, you know, integrate us into nature and not just wipe it out and say we live here. Mm -hmm. These are these are two two projects that we have to see more common. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that um it's something that if if it is done correctly and people see the positive uh things that come from it they'd be more interested in seeing it done more commonly so if you've got a chain link fence or you've got something out on your property that would look better being green there's no time like today to start that you know go out there and plant those things so next spring they will grow and cover and be beautiful across those fence lines if you're if you're someone who's looking into green roofs and you find something cool send it to me Although my house has too too much of a peak or pitch on the rooftop, my retail building does not. So uh, I may have to look into structural reinforcement. I may have to stay to the edges. I don't know because the building wasn't built for a green roof. But I'm always interested. I'm always interested in finding a way. So if you find something cool, send it to us. But that's all I have for this week. So if you like this episode please share it with a friend. If you want to help support realistic sustainability in some other ways, you can become a monthly sustainer on our Anchor hosting site for less than a dollar a month, or just leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Those help way more than you think. Thank you again for listening. Remember, we only have to get a little better each day. It's that little bit, little bit that really grows into the big bit. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future.